say. Now, Brother Dale. It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning for our Sunday morning worship service. Uh, we've got our holiday meal today. I hope you're excited about that. And we also, this Saturday, have uh, pancakes for Santa. Uh, be sure to check the, the bulletin board uh, out in the foyer for that. We do need a couple of more cooks, so if you are adept at uh, flipping flapjacks and have a griddle, we need griddles too, uh, be sure to check that box out there uh, after services, please. So glad to, to have everyone here this morning. Do you ever feel trapped? And specifically, do you ever feel trapped inside your own mind with spinning thoughts, with worry, with anxiety. You get into a, a cycle of thought, a thought pattern, just can't get out of it. Keeps you up at night, lasts for days, weeks, perhaps it's just how you have resigned to live your life because in this life, you know, there's, there's good and there's bad. And unfortunately, we tend to focus on the bad. And that's what creates the trap that we sometimes find our minds inside of. Because the bad, just, just like a glowing light, just, just rests inside of us. We can't seem to shake it. But we know that Paul wrote this in chapter 4. Under house arrest believed that he was jailed to actually jail or shackled to a guard who always had a companion with him. And he wrote this verse in chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Can you say that today? Well, no, I can't, Dale, because my mind is always going. My mind is always doing this or doing that. I can't seem to find the balance between the good and the bad. I can't find contentment. There's going to be good, and there's going to be bad in this world. The question is, though, how can you rest between the two and be finally content? How did Paul arrive here? Well, we're going to talk about a few things this morning about how we can be a more content individual and find happiness and find joy. I've given lessons on, on both of those. I think one of the key factors to happiness and joy in this life is simply being content. The first thing that you must do is understand your personality. What kind of work do you like doing? What kind of people do you enjoy being around and and are you around those people enough <clears throat> what kind of people do you not enjoy being around and should you avoid those now the bible doesn't directly discuss personality types as what the myers-briggs or other personality tests might convey <clears throat> but it definitely acknowledges them i believe in first peter chapter 4 and verse 10 as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There are many parts to the body. We all have gifts that we're able to use 
And so that in turn will translate into various types of personalities. Dr. David, Daniel Amen came up with these different ones through brain scans as he studied over the years. This article was in uh, Christian Counseling this last quarter. He talks about the balanced personality. And I think Paul fits really well into that. Paul was a rule follower. Paul found, or maybe you yourself, find safety and security and enjoy meaningful work. And I think this in many ways reflects Paul. He carried out what he thought was right to the utmost degree as a Jew, and when he found out he should do differently, he did that. You know, he didn't try to say, well, you know, I believe that it should be this way, I don't care what Christ tells me. No, he followed what Christ told him and did those things that he believed to be right. Perhaps you are a balanced person as well. Or maybe you're more like Peter spontaneous and adventurous. What did Peter do that shows us his personality? Well, he offended Christ, though he said he never would. I, I can't possibly do that, Christ. There's no way I'll deny you. Spontaneous, impulsive. What did he do that was impulsive? Walked on the water. The other 11 disciples are in the boat. I'm not getting out on that water. And Peter said, Lord, let me come out to you. Maybe not thinking about all that could potentially occur. And now we have a great lesson in faith, thankfully. But Peter seemed to be very spontaneous. And perhaps you might be the same, where you speak before you think, or you act before you think. Another personality that we see quite often is a persistent one. Moses reflects this. He was himself strong-willed perhaps enjoyed routines and predictability. He, what did he do? Well, he jumped into a fight to defend a Hebrew slave. You know, he said, I'm going to take care of this. I don't, I don't need this happening. Whenever he saw the burning bush, you know, he was very, very curious about what was going on with that. And when, when God told him that he had to go before the highest power in the world at the time and ask for his people to be released, Moses thought, I don't know about this, Lord. I'm not a very good speaker. I, 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 don't, I don't think I can do that. So here, Moses, we get a glimpse in his personality as well. And perhaps this is you. And there are sensitive people, Mary in Luke chapter 10, who sat uh, at the feet of Jesus. She wanted to be close to him. Her sister Martha, cautious person, likes to check off her to do list, but is on time. You like calmness. Maybe that's you. But you see this dynamic of their personalities played out when Jesus comes for a visit. Mary sits at the feet of our Lord and Martha's tending in the kitchen trying to make sure that everything is just perfect. So sometimes we get out of a, con a content mindset, a content lifestyle because of our very personalities. Now, a lot of these have assets, all, all of them have assets, and they're quite oftentimes shortcomings, but where are you in your personality? That's the first thing to understand. Perhaps you're one of these. Next, contentment requires a healthy brain. Now, you know I'm going to say it, don't you? You know I'm going to say it. Got to get some exercise. A lot of people don't like that. It's difficult to do. Exercise at one time just happened 
in our day-to-day lives. We walked everywhere. We worked to survive. But now, with our modern conveniences, it has become necessary for a person to be intentional about their exercises. And this, of course, can be difficult, but my point being, science teaches us that if you want contentment, if you want a brain that's not constantly running, if you want you know, your, your, your mind and anxiety to calm down, one of the things that can definitely help is regular exercise. I tell my clients this all the time. When you're depressed or anxious, first thing that you need to incorporate, Paul tells the Corinthians, therefore I run in such a way is not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I'm purpose. Here he's, he's talking about his spiritual nature, but he's using the physical analogy. I discipline my body, he says, and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. He's speaking about the spiritual component using a physical analogy, but the, the precedent is there. I discipline my body. I discipline my spiritual self as well. And he says this, in chapter 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Even our physical self can show and exemplify the glory of God. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Be that example to other people in a physical sense as well. And we also need to feed our brain with healthy things. Eat foods that make you feel good now and in the long run. Now, it's okay to indulge, which we will do shortly. You thinking about the sausage balls? I am too. We will indulge shortly. But what I mean is, overall, in the long run, it is better to feed yourself good things rather than bad things, especially when you talk about how you feel. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, it says, God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. Natural food enhances my mood. I speak from experience and speak from research as well. Berries, nuts, salads, avocados, fish, certain vitamins, even saffron, uh, some believe, is good as an antidepressant. What we put in our bodies is important to how we feel emotionally. And some people, myself included, will eat to feel better. Because that chocolate makes you feel so good. Except for a little while later, it makes you feel so bad. So we need to think about what our diets are even. I don't think we do that enough. And if you've not read about the food that's going inside of you, I encourage you to do that. If you eat something and think, man, I've got a headache, might be because of what you're eating. might be because of what's going on with your, with your food habits. But a healthy brain comes from eating healthy as well. Next, we must master our minds. If we can take care of it, give it the right fuel, we've got to master it as well. Let's look at Ephesians 4, please. Ephesians 4 will be reading verses 25 through 27 in just a few moments. Your mind can be a troublemaker. That's why it's running away from you all the times and you, you, can't, you can't calm it down and you think this will make you happy and that will make you happy and it's not. And that's what spurs discontent because you can't settle your thoughts down. 
But our minds can be troublemakers and undisciplined thinking can fuel discontent, make you feel out of control just like this car was. This car did not get there because the driver had perfect control over it. It got airborne and actually landed perfectly in the window. Maybe they were trying to do that, I don't know. But it lands in the house nonetheless. It got out of control. And your brains will do the same thing. But what you must realize is, you are not a slave to your mind. A lot of people think, well, I can't control what I think about. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And perhaps you feel the way you do. You're discontent the way you are because you're thinking on all the wrong things. You're thinking on bad stuff. You're looking through reels and it's just negative stuff constantly. You're looking through social media. It's just negative stuff constantly. You know, whenever you do that, you're going to feel bad because you're not mastering your mind. You're allowing things to come into it, and that's affecting you emotionally and mentally. To calm the chatter in your brain, you've got to gain control over your thoughts and feelings rather than letting them control you. I've got a dog, her name is Daisy. She's a mini golden doodle, lovely dog. And she listens. She listens really well. This dog does not listen. He's pulling on his leash because the owner there does not have control over him. A lot of training to get a dog to do this. That's how Daisy walks. You have to walk with her. You've got to train her. You've got to give her treats. You've got to show her, hey, I like what you're doing here. And she will repeat that pattern of behavior, and she'll be a good dog. If you can train a four-legged beast to do what it needs to do, what you want it to do, you can train your brain to do what it needs to do as well. Ephesians chapter 4, the question is, how do we lose control of our minds? Ephesians 4 beginning with verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We've got to speak truth with one another. I hope you realize this is truth I'm speaking to you. This is from Scripture. It's based on science. It's based on research. And by doing these things, you can be content, have a calmer mind, have less anxiety and so forth. Be angry, he says, and yet do not sin. For a long time I thought, when I get angry, it's disappointing to God. Not always the case. So a new bit of truth is interjected into our lives and we start living by that. This being one of them, verse 26. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Where does he get that opportunity quite often? In our anger. That's where Satan gets an opportunity. Is when we are angry with each other, when we're angry with ourselves, when we are angry with the current state of our life, meaning we are discontent, that's when Satan gets an opportunity. That's when Satan gets a foothold. If you've ever ridden a horse, and you get your foot up uh, in the saddle and are able to get over on him, you've got control over this 1,100-pound beast because you've got a foothold into its saddle. And whenever Satan gets an opportunity with you, when you get angry, when you get discontent, when you get anxious and you start looking for those things that make you feel better right now, when Satan gets that opportunity, he's going to use it. Because you're not allowing yourself, you're not making yourself even, 
to focus on good things that we should be thinking about, like what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 10. He says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. God wants you to obey Him. God wants you to be less anxious. God wants you to be content. And anything that tells you otherwise, you need to throw that out and start looking to what God teaches, to what Scripture teaches. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Christ wants you to love yourself and He wants you to be content on this earth. But you have got to listen to Him and you've got to listen to passages just like this. If I'm anxious, is that obedience to Christ? No, it's not. If I'm fretting over something, if I'm, if I'm at odds with someone, is that what Christ would want? No, it isn't. So maybe my thoughts aren't captive to the obedience of Christ. Maybe my thoughts aren't exactly what they should be. When we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete, but we want to take our thoughts captive so that we might obey Christ not obey Satan because we gave him that opportunity. People themselves today think that they're smarter than God. They think that possessions and other things will make them happy and it simply won't. So they continue to be discontent. Paul told the Romans, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind's got to be different. If you're anxious, if you're all these negative things that I've been talking about, You've got to renew your mind. You've got to make changes. You've got to make daily changes, habits daily, that you're going to do something different so that you'll feel different at the end of the day, so that you'll feel different at night, so that you'll feel different throughout the week, so that you'll feel different with your spouse because your mind is different. Because it is rooted in Christ so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And that which is good and acceptable and perfect is that we be content. Because when we are content, as Paul was in prison, we can focus more on God because it is He who will ultimately make us content on this earth. Well, someone might object, I don't want my thoughts to be captive to anyone. I don't want my thoughts from coming from no one else but myself. I want freedom in that. Well, this is wrong. This thinking simply is wrong. Because you belong to someone. You follow someone. No man is an island. And ultimately, we serve either Jesus or we serve Satan. But you've got to master your mind and realize that. How you feel at the end of the day shows who you are following. Next, notice what you like about others rather than what you don't like. We pay way too much attention to what we do not like in people. We focus on the bad, and this happens in other areas, not just with our relationships. But here I'd like to use people as an example because we interact with people all the time. And you may see something in them that you don't like. Maybe this. Oh, I don't like those people. They live in that state south of us. They've got Alabama and matching pajamas. I even don't like that. But bam, on top of that, I don't like those people. Maybe some of you thought that. Maybe some of you thought that, but now what do you think about them? It's the same family. They just got on different pajamas. I don't want these for Christmas, by the way. Please don't get those. But 
These people, they're the same ones, but we'll do that. We'll hear one thing about someone or we'll notice one thing about them and suddenly we don't like them. We focus too much on the negative when the positive is there if we'll just use our minds, use our thinking to focus on that. Matthew 5 says this, Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. We've got to start liking people perhaps more than we do because the burden of not liking them is so incredibly heavy. It might go against your natural tendency. It might do that, but when if you can learn, if you can train yourself to see the good in people, your burdens will be lifted immensely. Otherwise, how will we engage with people? How we, will we encourage people? How will we edify people? How will we evangelize people if we don't see the good in them, if, not, if, if, if at least the soul that God loves so much that He wants to be saved and that He has sent us to connect with, with His Word. Got to start liking people more than we do. And then lastly, know your purpose in life. I think one of the reasons that Paul said what he said in chapter 4 and verse 11 of Philippians is that he knew his purpose. He knew that he was to spread the gospel and that was ultimately what he was supposed to do. Why not do it in prison? Okay, here we go. So he was able to be content because he knew his purpose. What is your purpose in this life? What are you doing that helps people, that has a greater cause beyond yourself? An easy one to go after right now is to learn to evangelize better. We've talked about that over the last week or so. It definitely needs to be all of our purpose here. But when people lack purpose, their lives feel empty, and they feel meaningless. Psalm says this, I will cry to God Most High, to God who accomplishes all things for me. It's a great relationship with God, knowing that you're living for Him and that He cares for you. Job 14.1, Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil, so we must have a purpose in this life. In James 4 and verse 14, Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if we have a purpose, we at least have a guiding principle that carries us from one day to the next. And that principle, that purpose, must involve our Heavenly Father, must involve our Christian lives. To find your purpose, if you're struggling with that, ask these three questions. Why is the world a better place because of me. Perhaps you're raising great kids. Perhaps your, your job does something great for your community or for the world at large. Or maybe you need to find a place here at Verbal's Chapel to volunteer more often, to teach class, or to hold personal Bible studies. But the question that we all need to ask ourselves is, why is the world a better place because of me? What skills do I have? that can be helpful to someone today? That's kind of the question we need to ask. Not, well, what, what, do, what can I do here at Birdwell's Chapel, but rather, what, what am I able to do, and how can that benefit the congregation and, and the people that it serves? And lastly, what can I do 
to make the world a better place. Ultimately, we must serve God in all that we do. And knowing our purpose in life gives us a sense of meaning and helps guide in our decision-making, which increases our chances of a contented life. For as you do things on a regular basis, you can rest at night knowing that you made a difference somehow in some way. People aren't very content in this world. That's why they're always angry, always busy, and always miserable. Well, you can be content in knowing that you are a saved individual for you are in the body of Christ. And if you're not a Christian this morning, I hope that you'll become one. Let us assist you and let us baptize you and you can be added to the body of Christ. For contentment will start right then as you follow the teachings of Christ. Or if you are a Christian struggling with contentment or struggling with anything else, come forward this morning and let us pray for you. Please come now if you have need as we stand and sing. Yeah.